Guy walks into a bar. Bartender says, if you can make that horse over there laugh, you can have free drinks for the rest of the night. Guy says, okay. Walks over to the horse and whispers something into its ear. Horse starts laughing and the guy gives, uh, the bartender gives the guy free drinks for the rest of the night. The next night, same guy comes back. Bartender says, if you can make that horse cry, I'll give you free drinks for the rest of the night. So he walks over to the horse and does something and the horse starts crying. The bartender, confused, asks the man, what did you do to make him cry and laugh? And Justin Thoreau says, to make him laugh, I told him I had a bigger dick than he does. And to make him cry, I showed him. That's, that's, a, that's an exact quote by Justin Thoreau uh, on the Conan show. I believe that. Yeah. Nice. That opening made absolutely no sense to anybody listening. <laughs> the minute you started with a man walks into a bar, I thought you were doing a Watchmen joke. I wasn't. I, I thought about it, Tyler, but this is what Google gave me when I searched big penis joke. So here we are. I hope that that cold one made sense to all of four people. Uh, three of them are in this call. Three of them are in this call. And the fourth one is Tati. So, <laughs> absolutely no one else. We're doing leftovers. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to 3 2 Binge. I'm your host, Chris, with my co-host, Faison Dalal. What's up? And a penis, Tyler Zucker. I have nothing for that. I expect you to go for this one. Listen, I you know, it was really off. The, it was off the tip. I had to figure something out. Uh, well, this off week, the tip. off the tip, I know I, I said it and I'm like, fuck, I got to I got to stop making so many dick jokes. This is going to get out of control really quickly. It's going to keep going. It's going to keep going. This, that could be made into a joke. <laughs> that, that could be a dick joke as well. Yeah, yeah. it's just really hard not to. Oh, no. Yeah. They just oh, keep saw coming. That coming. God. <laughs> that one got me, actually. Um, so left. He got you. Goddamn. No. <laughs> <clears throat> so leftovers. If you don't know, is the story about um, a man and his uh, abnormally massive penis? No, it's not. But <laughs> it's not. But that's all you take away from the first season. No, we're actually. Oh uh, yeah, we're talking about the show Leftovers. Tyler, do you want to actually intro us into what the show is about? The uh, HBO show Leftovers, made by Damon Lindelof, who also made Lost, and then after this, made Watchmen. The the miniseries Watchmen. Uh, it no, is. He about... wrote the book. He went back in time to the eighties. Yes. And he wrote Alan Moore's comic. Yes. Who's Alan Moore? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is the show about uh, the joke answer. It is uh, we're following the people after the snap happened. Uh, uh-huh. the, the actual answer. Yeah. It's about 2% of the world's population just completely disappeared one day. No one knows why. And it's just figuring out how to deal with that. I'm still convinced it's a show about somebody that's just office meds. <laughs> It it's also that. it is also that at least half the time that is what the show is. Yeah, the first season is the one that mainly focuses on like, oh yeah, it's three years after. Obviously, people are not over it because it's just 140 million people just straight up disappeared. Don't know what the hell is going on. People, religious people, are losing faith. People who aren't religious are like, oh, it's got to be the rapture. <laughs> I like that they. It's one of like if if you were religious, it's like no, can't be God. If you're not religious, oh God, it must be God. There's no, there's no overlap where you were religious and like, damn, I guess God did it. <laughs> yep, there's no in between for it. Uh, yeah. So like, like Tyler says, you know, season th- one is the more direct aftermath, so to speak. It's still three years after the event, um, but it follows it more directly, I would say, than the later seasons do. Uh, season one is also the one that's based off of a book. Um, I've never read the book, but the little bit I've seen about it while researching for this episode, um, I don't like. I think that book sounds really fucking bad a lot of the time. I mean, we're basically if we're basing it off season one, 
books the book probably terrible. isn't very good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, Tyler, Tyler, you, give us your opinion on season one first. Compared to the other two, yes, it's obviously the worst one. It's also the one that is, quote unquote, the one you got to push through. I, for one, was intrigued by the pilot. Uh, the Matt episode is obviously amazing. And then, like, it, yeah, I kept my interest. The one episode we all hate, the one of the baby Jesus doll. Yeah, that, that's a pointless episode. Yeah, uh, I, I can't say for you yet, Faison, but I have the feeling you're going to agree with me. I really don't fucking like the first season. Of this. I thought season one was shit. I think season one's kind of bad. I think season one's actually bad. Like it's, it it's has well good episodes, but yeah. like it As doesn't feel like there's anything really that happens. Yeah, nothing. We're I care like about bouncing around from character to character, but like you're not really getting any substance to any of the characters. Only one being Matt, because that Matt episode as a standalone. Yeah, so great. Uh, and that's my favorite episode of the season. Later on. Yeah, well, really? yeah, Kevin later on too. After, and Nora, uh, to be fair, Nora has her own episode. It's, yeah, okay, but it, yeah. it's just you know, like it feels like it doesn't come along until too late. No, I agree. It's a setup season. I, I, like looking back at it, it is totally a setup season. But it wasn't designed. Then, it doesn't feel like it was designed with setup season in mind. Not. Really. I think the that if, if that this we, show came out today and this first season was airing, I'd stop after the first season. Yeah, I wouldn't have had the faith. Like I even after I finished the first season, I doubted that season two and three were going to be good because I really did not. Me and Tati did not enjoy this first season. We we this we pushed through it. It was a struggle. It was a slow, painful slug to get through this first season. And I ended up being shocked by the quality of season two and three. But because whole I, I cannot stand, I think, a single character in season one, except for Matt. Matt's the only character in season one who I do not absolutely I, I gave a shit about it all. Everyone else Matt, I'm mostly bored of. I mean, uh, the show has I mean the three main characters of Matt Jameson, Nora Durst, and Kevin Garvey are like the three best characters in the show. Yes, yes. I, I would season. I would say that's they get they become the best characters later. Yes, I would say Matt that becomes point, the best one. Matt is the best one right off the yeah. bat because once you see his episode, it's like, all right, this is a great episode. I love seeing the priest do anything to save his church yeah. and then still lose it. <laughs> And I personally ended up really liking Kevin's whole thing with Patty. I think all of that actually worked really well. Even um, if you didn't like Patty. <laughs> even if I didn't mm -hmm. like, even if I despised Patty at the time. Uh, Nora's stuff, while it was a good episode, I ultimately didn't find myself too engaged with her character, uh, which is something that ha changes distinctly by the time we get to seasons two and three, where I think in season two, she might argue. She's probably my second favorite character in season two and in season three, honestly. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, there's a lot of great stuff later on, but holy shit. The fucking hugger man, um, is terrible. Holy Wayne, Holy, Holy Wayne. Wayne, yeah. God, God, weird, god awful plot line. I don't care about. I despise Lori, uh, in season one. I hate her. I hated her. Hated her so much. I still, I still kind of despise her, but it's Tati, okay. You, you sound like yeah. That's basically Tati. Still also kind of hates her. Um, uh, hey. uh, I the kids were the two worst fucking human beings I've ever seen in my life. Uh. I granted I can imagine why you know she's kind of a shitty person you know her mom decided to leave her and her dad's kind yeah. of an absentee father but he he's there but like absentee I I really thought he slept with her best friend I thought that was what one of the sequences were implying it was really yeah. weird that one dream ish sex scene but he also it sleepwalks and doesn't know what he does. He totally fucked her best friend, actually. Now that I'm like putting this there, it is. Loud, <laughs> he a hundred percent fucked his daughter's best friend. Just never gonna never address that one. Um, he never comes back. Good. Never comes back. Grandpa's good. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah, only the there for a little great. bit though. He's only there hey, for a little bit. He's not there for that long. Uh, and Liv, then he's important in the season three. Yeah. Yeah. Live Tyler's character, uh, Orwin from uh, Lord of the Rings, 
Um, I think it's probably one of the least likable characters throughout. But oh, I yeah, think but it's like fun this... because she's yeah. basically a character? villain. Uh, the girl who joins Meg. the cults. The new Guilty Remnant leader. I mean, yeah, like okay. we didn't get into the Guilty Remnant. The main yeah. point of season one is that Kevin, the police chief, is trying to keep the town together while the Guilty Remnant, a cult that chain smokes, doesn't speak, and is supposed to be a living reminder of the sudden departure, which is what they call everyone leaving. Uh, they're assholes. Terrible. All they want to do is just chain smoke in front of your house and get people to into your cult. And the the bis- the whole methodology is just like nothing matters. People le- left and you want to forget it. But like, no, it happened. And you have it, to be depressed all the time. It's the most boring form of nihilism I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and I, it it just it doesn't make sense to me why they're a thing. I don't think it's supposed like they just wanted to latch on to something, even though it doesn't make sense. Like Meg. Yeah. Meg even points it out. It's like, so what is this for? It's like, just as a reminder. It's like, but we're not doing anything. And then she gets violent with it later on, which is, I guess, one way to take it. But like, still. I would argue that the themes of season one are extremely boring. It's it's like season one is about grief more than Yeah, and just dealing with grief. Yeah, but it doesn't really get to go any more. It doesn't get any more complex than that, really. Like there are bits and pieces, specifically Patty's conversation with Kevin is something that comes up later and then actually gets to be explored in a very interesting way. But it doesn't feel like season one explores anything, anything meaningful, at least to, to me. Um, and, and because of that, season one ends up feeling like a show where despite the fact that a lot of things happen, it feels like there's really no momentum to any of it and not really any purpose to any of it either, because it never really feels like there's this big overarching theme to the season aside of like man wouldn't the world be sad if two percent of people left that's yeah. pretty, that'd be pretty sad i bet you'd be sad if, if, if you audience would be sad so yeah i i don't care too much for season one there's some good moments in there and i don't think it's a season you can necessarily skip because it does set it's up set a foundation up. that's important um it ends up functioning as set up but i don't do not think it was designed as set up yeah, I think no, it, it definitely, definitely was designed to be a standalone season, and which, it kind of—that's yeah, why it it shows like that. I think that's why we feel like it's not very good. Yeah, I do think it picks up at the end. Like, yeah, the pilot for me intrigued me, and then like the, and then the second episode's okay. Third episode being Matt saying this church is great. Yeah, Jesus, the Jesus episode. The fourth sucks. episode sucks. Fourth episode sucks. And then it like, yeah, the episode that, that five's episode's kind of forgettable. Fun. Uh, eight is good. I like Cairo. I like the Nora episode. I like the Nora episode, and I like the Nora episode. I like the flashback episode a lot. Oh, flat! A flashback episode fucking kills me because there's nothing funnier than the fact that Kevin's cheating on his wife. He's he's hooking up with this this, this chick, right? And then and she, she disappears. Just disappears. And he, she picks up the covers as if he might have lost her under the sheets. <laughs> I want to point she... out, what would you do in that moment? I would not that flip up the covers. I'd be terribly confused. Yeah, I totally confused. Is that not the first time? I was like, Wait, no, Tyler. Just... I don't think she shrunk. I don't think she turned into a tiny person and hid under the sheets. I like how that's a less reasonable like it... explanation than like her disappearing. And that makes more sense to me. I I would not. I would be very confused. I'd, I I think that'd be like a for kind of a reaction. Be like, where'd you go? And like maybe exactly. under the covers. Like I don't <laughs> yeah, see you anywhere. It's just a reaction I, of like, wait. I, where I, I think it is the single funniest shot in the whole show <laughs> he's not a clearly thinking oh you're under here it's just like wait there was a person here where the fuck is it's i don't know i find it very funny and not in the way that i find the later seasons funny where it's clearly intentional that the show is yeah. not taking itself as seriously here in the season one the show is taking itself extremely seriously to its own detriment um 
And I think that actually ends up hurting the season quite a lot because it has also, no sense I of st- humor. I still don't get why Lori joins the Guilty Remnant. It still doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I mean, it's because she's part of it. Like, she also lost someone, which is what never made yeah. sense to, to Kevin because she lost the, the feet. She but- lost an unborn child, but like, you still have a kid and a husband. Just like, like, fuck your other kid, huh? <laughs> fuck your both of your well, other she kids. Was, she I mean, she was kids. also unhappy oh, yeah. with that whole, whole family with yeah. Kevin anyway. Her and Kevin were already like on the phone. Yeah, but still, how do you kind of just you say, fuck both my kids, I hate them. <laughs> I'm just going to leave. See, I, I think... That's why I hate season, her. I, I do hate her. I think that it ultimately, it gets explained later in season two, in my opinion, just because you get to see... What's the name of the child? Livy? Oh, Jill? Jill. Jill? Is that her name? Wait, wait, the, the baby or? No, no. The daughter of the of the the, 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 the girl who joins the Guilty Remnant in season two. Jill. No, Evie. Evie. Evie? There we go. Uh-oh. Yeah, Evie. Anyway, so you get to see Evie join the Guilty Remnant, uh, despite the fact that uh, she didn't lose anybody. No one in Miracle lost anybody there, right? Um, and I think that that ends up providing a good explanation for why people join the Guilty Remnant, including somebody like Lori, where the Guilty Remnant isn't it's not like people joined it and people joined it because of the disappearance or whatever it's called the um departure departure but but not strictly because of that like yeah it's because they, they need they wanted an outlet already the guilty remedy feels like it serves i don't them. know I, I still don't agree with her reasoning i don't agree with her she's terrible she's kind yeah. of bad throughout the whole show to be like she's kind of a bad person throughout the whole show even if she's not trying to be uh because in season two because i think i think i think at this point we could just go to season two right we can just yeah, I mean, so, the season one what, finale. In season one. I don't think there's season a lot to one, say. Season one is basically, yeah, the Kevin uh, against the Guilty Remnant, but also he's dealing with his mental state, which is, uh, when, at first in season one, he's just like, oh, he's sleepwalking, doesn't remember shit. And then that slowly turns into him killing dogs with Dean, uh, the dog hunter. I'm still it's convinced this guy. whole show is just made up in his head. <laughs> Like, sure, I there's, feels, a, there's a lot like, of ways you could take it, half the show. It could be that, or it could be real. Just because like a lot show. of a lot of this stuff, it just is, is like it's so out there where it's just like he's just vibing with the. This dog has order. to be made up. <laughs> uh, like, what do you I mean? mean he goes do... to the afterlife. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's so good. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, I feel like yeah, you can no, go to season two. No. Well, no. The end. I'm just let me get to the finale. Mm. Guilty Remnant house burns down. He saves uh his daughter Jill. Lori finally talks, and uh, half the town is beating the shit out of Guilty Remnant because everyone hates them. Yeah, yeah they just decided that. to go like burning houses, though. Well, well they're burning the, the Guilty, guilty Remnant's rem- homes. The Guilty Remnant's plan the whole season uh, was to m- put these dolls into everyone's house of the people that would that left them. Which is like really fucked up, by the way. <laughs> which is why they immediately, everyone turned to them, some beating them up in the streets, burning houses, which is eventually their point for the guilty remnant they want to be killed and then remembered as like a martyr yeah it's i, it's I don't like the guilty remnant shit. at all in season one i don't like them at all in season one personally nah. they felt rather inconsistent as opposed to their season two portrayal mm-hmm. where it because in season two it feels like they're more of a Milton? stand-in for huh more like violent militant thing going Not on even there that. it just feels like they're more of a stand-in for the idea of nihilism as opposed to a cult that we have characters who are meaningfully within, who are supposed to understand the minutia of like what this cult is doing and why it feels like in season two, they end up filling this role of like 
they exist without reason because there is no reason. None of it matters. It doesn't matter why they're here. You know, people who make that choice are basically like, like, I mean, the, the one, the interesting thing about the show, because I feel like it's hard to talk about the good stuff about the show without talking about it as a whole. Uh, and one thing I like about the show is it, it, it I, I told you this, Tyler, I can't remember the exact phrasing I used, but it had to do with how um, that these characters exist in this like weird in between place almost between like wanting to be dead but not willing to kill themselves mm-hmm. i think i told yeah, tyler that, something yeah this kevin that's kevin's deal that's that's also nora's deal like they don't necessarily want to commit suicide but they also would not mind if they weren't here right now right yeah um yeah but also nora different... hiring somebody to shoot her with, with a bulletproof vest on fucking yeah. insane with the chance of <laughs> going scene. wrong it doesn't matter like, that's, that's scene they all exist in that place right that's where the main cast is really living except for matt um and they more or less are struggling for for reason to keep going especially with the people that they act they are and how their own personality is kind of like well, well nor out of everyone them. has the most reason for that her entire family is gone yeah and she's she says she doesn't i mean she definitely doesn't want the pity of the town but she gets it because her entire family disappeared. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, her, her whole deal is just that. Yeah, but I think ultimately it's interesting because the only reason any of these characters have not killed themselves is because they're clinging on to something, right? Or at least trying to find something to cling on to. Because all the people in the Guilty Remnant, what's the reason that they continue to try and remember as opposed to just offing themselves like Patty does at the end of season one? And it's because they're clinging on to the idea of just this absolutely nihilistic view of everything that since none of it mattered, it doesn't matter if they kill themselves. They're just they're just here to be the, they're here to be the memorial. They're here to be a living, walking reminder for the world. That's their only purpose. Right. Uh, you have like you have people like Matt and uh, the son in season two, whose name I'm forgetting, who Tommy. they kind of Tommy and they cling on to religion. Right. They try to cling on to a sense of purpose and spirituality and divine plan and all these things. Um, you have Lori who clings to science and psychology and like the mental effect that this is having on people and her logic and reason and all these things. And you have Kevin kind of caught in the middle of it, desperately trying to figure out what he should fucking cling on to because none of it makes any sense. What the fuck's going on? Yeah. Nora, Nora is trying to cling on to family so hard that she literally is handcuffing Kevin to a bed. Yeah, they're all trying to justify reasons to keep themselves alive and just keep themselves going. And I think that's where the show gets a lot more interesting, because to me, the theme of season two is a lot more about stuff like faith. Or season three, season two and season three, especially starts to focus on the idea of faith, right? And taking this like chance on people and on community and on the fact that maybe this will happen again or maybe it won't. And it shows the it shows like the two sides of it, really, to me, where in some ways you need a certain amount of faith in something, whatever it is, people or religion or something to keep you going through the day to prevent you from absolutely fucking offing yourself or trying to strangle yourself several times with a plastic bag. Uh, but at the same time, that gone a little bit too far. And maybe you think your best friend, Kevin, might be Jesus. <laughs> yeah. You know, faith. Faith is this weird double edged blade. And it, the inter- the intersectionality between faith and grief ends up being what really makes season two and three very interesting to me, as opposed to season one, which doesn't feel like it has that. And I think that reflects on why the guilty remnant kind of sucks. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't. Ha- I mean, it does. Ha- it does help that. After season one, they move away from uh, Mapleton. They yeah. move to this. Histo- they name it a historical site in the show because it was the one place that nobody disappeared from. Uh, uh, Miracle. Yeah. AKA well, what Texas. is that first episode, by the way? Access what, the opening? Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> so the opening shows... I had to like double check and make sure I was still watching the right show. <laughs> <laughs> Chris did the same thing. I did the same. We watched it together and I still did the same thing. Yeah, so the opening of the season two shows uh, prehistoric, prehistoric times, a woman uh, walking out of a cave where a family is, uh, and an earthquake happens, causing the cave to collapse and everyone dying inside, uh, and the woman's pregnant, she has a kid, uh, she eventually uh, dies because of a snake bite, and then someone else takes the kid and, save, and save, erases it. So that is a parallel uh, to basically the sudden departure. In that time, the woman, the prehistoric woman, wouldn't know what the hell happened to her family. She doesn't exactly know what an earthquake is. The people are just gone. Mm-hmm. It's as if God swallowed them up, which is basically what a lot of people believe this was in this yeah. world. Yeah. And then there's also the whole thing of like uh, Noah find, finding Lily on a doorstep and then like another woman finding the kid to raise her on her own. But like, I that's... like how we forgot about that. I um, was just about to say that. I was yeah. like, we didn't talk about what was her name, Christine at all. Yeah. Fuck Christine. She sucks. <laughs> Yeah, the Halloween subplot in uh, season one. It's not good. It it, it it carries over because that's whole Roy's and Tommy's thing. But it's like, good. it's just a really like creep. That's it's, a, very... it's another cult. It's yeah. another cult going just on. another it's... cult. I remember me and Tati were so fucking confused. Why do you have two separate cults in your in this story right now? It feels because so weird. What... I I felt like that's what happens matter. when something. That's what happens when something like that ha- a sudden departure happens. Oh, like God. yeah, religion loses. Then you, so you need at least people. three. You need at least three cults. Two, two is a weird, weird number. Two is a weird number of cults to focus your story. They, no, like they said two. they had more. They but they were. They, had we, more, they only ever. They only ever show us other sectors of the guilty around the country i don't remember them mentioning other new brands of cults like if we it's have huggy mchuggykins guilty remnant we also need like a third brand i want to fo- gonna... focus on the cult wars <laughs> you know what tyler that sounds pretty fucking cool compared to season one yeah that'd be cool for season one uh <laughs> yeah cult wars season, season one, one? plot yeah cult tyler wars. you're making a better show than the show than the first season <laughs> and you're doing it this these first season that's the fair statement to make but yeah so in season two, yeah, they moved to the town called Miracle. Uh, it's a lot again, a lot about faith. Nora or er, Matt moved here first because he believes that uh, his wife woke up one day. Um, while we the... mentioned that uh, Matt's wife, Mary, is a comatose after the sun de- uh, because of the sun de- departure, <laughs> yeah, like indi- in a, indirectly. Yeah, Matt was driving home from the a doctor's appointment where he said his cancer was gone. And because of the departure, the guy in front of him disappeared. So he just nailed into that, causing his wife to just. Yeah, 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 which is like really fucked up. It's really fucked up. So she's comatose. Scene of the whole show is fucked up with the kid being gone. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Anyway, um, so his wife's wife's comatose, but one day while they're in this town of miracles, she mysteriously wakes up for one night. They bang, and uh, you know, she falls. She's unconscious again the next day. I love how that was the first thing. It's like let's just bang. You're awake. It's been months. No, he said he fair. He said he talked for hours. He said they talked for hours, and then a lot of patience. Yeah, a lot of, of patience to talk for hours. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, is that your first thought? You're awake. Let's go. Oh, God. <laughs> um, But, you know, so because of this potential coincidence or maybe miracle in his eyes, he has a lot of faith that there is something special about this town and something inherently mystical that could save his wife. And Nora ends up spending three million fucking dollars and buying a house there for the exact reason, the exact same reason. <laughs> that didn't happen. Sure. Um, so you know, they're taking this leap of faith that this town is gonna solve all their problems, you know. Um, and and it's not, and it's and it won't. And and that's the one of the the, the inciting incident of the season. More interestingly, however, 
Kevin's in the middle of a fucking mental break. <laughs> He's sleepwalking and he has a ghost. A yeah, Patty, Patty uh, kills herself in season one in front of Kevin saying, uh, you understand what basically saying you understand what the guilty woman is. You understand why we're doing this and then kills herself. She kills herself. But before that, the plan was for him and Dean to kill her. Mm-hmm. He doesn't remember that at all. He was sleepwalking again and he's just losing it. Yeah. And when he loses it, that's like when the show gets better and better. Yes. Once his the, the more the worse his mental health gets, the better the show gets. A hundred percent. Um, so yeah, he's now haunted by Patty and he can't really understand why. He doesn't understand what she wants. He doesn't understand if she's real. Uh, and she is slowly driving him insane. These three girls have gone missing in the town. Some people are freaking out and saying it's a departure. Some people are saying that they don't know what fuck happened. No one knows what the fuck happens. One of them is the daughter of his neighbor. Yeah, the Murphys are a great addition to the cast. Regina King's you know, great in everything she's on. Yeah, so, she is. Yeah, yeah, she's fantastic. I don't know the actor's name for John, but he's also, I mean, everyone in the show is great. But yeah, his, he's great. His, I love his whole deal of um, he he was, I think he what, he lived in Miracle first, right? He didn't move there. I think he lived in Miracle first, yeah. Yeah, he lived there. And then when people started coming to move to Miracle after the departure, thinking like it was a magical place, he hated that notion because his wife had uh, hearing problems and his daughter had seizures seizures, yeah. and nothing like magical happened to them. Nothing healed them. And then he keeps saying that like, oh, I came here and my like I can walk again or I came here and I can tell the future. It's like, no, that's bullshit. Yeah. So he starts he burning down people's of, houses. He has a deep hatred of all that type of like the mysticism side of the world that seems to exist here. Um, at the same time, Lori and Tommy, her son, are basically pulling the hug scam where they are pretending that Tommy has superpowers and can cure people's <laughs> depression. Um, beyond that, yeah. <laughs> just a quick move away from that one. Um, those are, yeah, those are the, that's the setup of the main plot lines in season, in season one. Uh, the most interesting one is definitely the Kevin story arc for me. Yeah. Um, we get him like trying to kill himself. Yeah. He basically finds that there walks and yeah. tries to kill himself. Yeah. Uh, however, he ends up basically right at the scene of the crime where three girls have disappeared and he puts his fingerprints all over the place and it all just makes him look very guilty. Meanwhile, they just uh, left, by the way. Yeah, those three girls we learned at the second to the last episode just left and joined the guilty remnant and are now chain smokers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're just assholes. It's really all they are because, I mean, I mean, that's the thing that makes that's interesting to me, that they joined the guilty remnant, despite the fact that they don't they didn't lose anybody. They have no reason to be the guilty remnant in, in that way. They're not grieving. It's, it's it's about more than grief when it comes to them. You know, mm-hmm. it's about this inherent sense of like faith has let them down. There is no purpose in it. If 2000, if two percent of all of humanity can just disappear one day, what's the fucking point of any of this? You know? Yeah. And they they here they go to kind of make that point by putting a timer on a bomb, faking a bomb like because like that's the thing. The guilty remnant this season we learn have been basically doing fake terrorist attacks. They'll like hold up a bus and put a fake grenade in as if they're going to blow up the kids just to scare people. You know, they'll like put a a bomb on a bridge and pretend they're going to blow it up just to fuck with people before they march into town instead. Um, And all they're doing is showing people that like you could die at fucking any moment. You can everybody can depart at absolutely any fucking second and it doesn't matter and you have no control over it. So why are you fucking trying to forget about that and pretend that that's not that nothing can never happen again? Uh, at least that's kind of how I took a lot of those events. Yeah, you're not wrong. 
just let people live their lives. It's not that big that's, of a deal. Yeah. I, it's not. It's not. <laughs> but I, I think that's why the Guilty Remnant ends up feeling like they actually work a lot more under Liv Tyler's character. Um, because she is a much more fleshed out individual at this point in time than, say, Patty was in season one. You know? Yeah, Patty didn't have a lot of time to yeah. really develop. We got some stuff about her from Lori, but it wasn't yeah, until but season it's not a two. Lot. Yeah, it's not until we see her ghost and like we go to the afterlife about her that we learn really anything that makes her interesting. Yeah. Whereas Liv Tyler, since we see her from before she joins the cult, and we, we see why, why she joins the cult, which is like... actually a very fun reason. The fact that her mother died the day before the departure. So suddenly nobody really cared about her grief anymore because it wasn't tied to any of this. Yeah. I think that's actually actually it actually ends up being quite interesting. And also, I think furthers that idea that like people can go at any moment. It's not just mm-hmm. a departure, but you're all trying to fucking forget. Um, so beyond that, where do we go? This we have another mad episode. It's great. Um, yeah, it's no just room Matt's at the end really is bad so day. Good. I mean, I call day. I call the whole not whole series, his whole trilogy. Matt's no good, terrible day. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> at least he gets to go to an orgy in the third one. Yeah, I yeah. Guess. He doesn't want any part of that. <laughs> he doesn't want to be there though. He doesn't want to be there. <laughs> that's that's the problem. Um, <clears throat> beyond the mad episode though, I kind of really just want to keep talking about some of the Kevin ones. Because we have powerful adversary. I mean, this where... is mostly like a Kevin season, I'd say. Yeah, I'd say Nora yeah, gets I... less focused this season compared to next season. I mean, she has lens. Uh, what was in lens? The whole oh, where idea... she thinks she thinks that she's a lens that's causing this, like the amplified. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, it's the idea that like, cause yeah, people think that the girls is being were a departure, and because mm-hmm. she just moved in and the and Evie was living next to her, they assumed that there's a theory that like. You are causing the departure. So mm-hmm. if she moved here and they left, you are lens. You are the reason for this to happen. The whole conversation with uh, Erica, Regina King character, it is so good, even though half the time you got to think about what she's going on, even though it's just well acted. Yeah. Excellent performance. But if it got it took a minute to me to just catch up to what the int- like there's there's this moment of like very sudden shift in the discussion. And I was like, well, what the fuck happened there? Yeah, but uh, Nora works with the Sun, the SDS, the Sun Departure Services, and it's basically she goes around to people who had uh, relatives depart and ask a very long and lengthy, a long and like not invasive, but like pretty invasive questionnaire, very invasive questionnaire about like their lives, and she try and based on this questionnaire, it decides okay, he actually left or no, he's just hiding out somewhere. Because she tells the story of the one dude who's just like, oh, yeah, I used the departure as a reason to leave and just hide. Because, like, this is the biggest excuse in history for anybody to use. It is. Well, quite it literally, is, yeah. isn't it? That is, that's kind of the big point, right? This is the biggest excuse in history for anybody to use. Like, to justify any belief, to justify any idea, to justify a cult or an action or a crime. This is the perfect opportunity. Dude, that's like 2.5 or 250 million people disappearing. Mm. It opens up the doors for anyone to do pretty much whatever they want, which is kind of what we see once Miracle gets overtaken. But we'll get there. Uh, I think I want I'm choking. <laughs> yeah, so that's no, uh, no, Nora's episode. We talked about Matt's episode for a second, but I do I do love it more than the first one. It's just he realizes that his wife's pregnant and Every at this point in both the show and in the actual show, everyone's wondering: Did he, did he fuck his comatose wife, or is he, did he, act, is he telling the truth that he, she woke up? Yeah, it's a little, uh, 
and you're really hoping that it's true. Yes, you're really hoping that no, she did woke up because Matt by this point is just a really good guy. He's religious as hell, and that could be annoying, but like overall, he's a good overall guy. a good person. Yeah, that we know of. He, you know, he, yeah. he beat the shit out of that one guy, but they deserve. He deserved it. I, I, yeah, it's they fair. were stealing his money, so yeah, it's fair. It's fair. You know, all's fair. Uh, but yeah, no, that his whole episode uh, of uh, being uh, attached because he tried to be a good person again, getting stuck out of the town because you need wristbands. It's all like sealed off because it's such a special place now. And then the ending montage where he just takes the guy's place on the uh, what the fuck this thing is the thing called the 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 like the stock the stock yeah 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 when he's just up there and. Uh, God's laughing. The song by Regina Spector is playing is just such a good montage. It's a great moment. It's a really great moment. And I think it actually ends up paralleling uh, a sequence with Nora in season three. Not exactly, but I- at least in imagery to me, um, because he like quite literally is like, I'm going to take on the sins of this man in this like Christ like moment. And I think all three characters really get a sequence like that because Nora has a sequence with the goat. Um, where she she has the beads on the goat, which are supposed to be representative of the sins of the people at this wedding. They put the beads to represent their sins and they let the goat free. And she quite literally takes the sins away as she brings this borderline lamb down the hill and saves its life. Mm. I'm trying to think if, if Kevin had one type of moment that was similar. He's Jesus. He, well, Tyler, no. <laughs> no, but I will say the sequence where they're going to dump him in the water and he quite literally gets like burdened with these people's hopes for the dead before he yep. like he, he you know that's very much his his christ moment um which i think does a really good job of like taking the mythology of someone like jesus and instead applying it to these everyday people they each have the opportunity to like bear the burden of others to help someone you know however they may be able to do it mm. uh in a way maybe jesus was the friends we made along the way tyler maybe jesus was one of the leftovers maybe jesus, maybe jesus was part of the 98% um, however, then we have the scene where Kevin kills himself. He drinks a lot of heroin. Well, hold on. We before that episode, a powerful adversary is the one where he talks to um, Regina King's dad, granddad, Grand- the relatives. I don't think it's Regina King's. I'm pretty sure it's the guy's grandpa. One of the Murphy's relatives. Yeah. Uh, he is an, one of the many the pedophile, m- yes, many magical persons in the. Sure, I was going to say magical persons. You won that one. <laughs> They're both true. Uh, yeah, he's one of the magical people in the show that somehow know what's going on. There's so many moments in the show were just like uh, a random stranger would be like, oh, yes, the baby. And everyone's like, who the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> the look at Kevin. This is the one the prophecy foretold. It's like, what the fuck? Random magic <laughs> man in prison. Who are you? Will we ever see you again? Do you have a name? Uh, but yeah, no. So Kevin goes to him because... He learns that he already talked talk to him about his problem, and the man already said, yeah, uh, you have to face your adversary yep. by killing yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that, se- that sequence of um, him going to see this man, uh, asking, hey, like you're going to save me, right? I'm just going to die for a couple minutes, drink this poison. And, yeah, like, then I'll give go. you the antidote. It'll be fine. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, it's going to go go well, right? He dies. You see him pick up the needle. And wasted on the ground, and then he shoots himself in the head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. 
he needed a guide in the afterlife. He said he needed yeah. a guide. He said yeah. he needed a guide, but like at that moment, I can only imagine watching this show like week to week and that scene happens and everyone's like, wait, what do you mean the main character just off himself and the guy helping him also killed himself? I, I also, so I'm going to, so this is going to skip to the next episode a little bit, but it'll, it'll matter, matter here. Uh, I do not think Kevin is directly in a real afterlife per se. Um, How so? Not everything that occurs there really makes any sense as a meaningful. Isn't afterlife. that the point? <laughs> well, I think that's part of the point, but I think that because of that, he's not actually in like an afterlife in a literal sense, like a heaven or a place where people go where they die or anything. Wasn't well, like not a purgatory then? I don't think it's really a purgatory either. Uh, because that I wouldn't really make that. sense with season three, in my opinion. Why does he have the power to nuke purgatory <laughs> in a way that affects nothing in the real world and exists only to benefit his own character arc? And in my opinion, it's because he's in his own personal afterlife, maybe a personal purgatory, but it's I'm not thinking one... more personal purgatory. Yeah, it's not one where what I'm saying is that like the guy killed himself to be his guide. I don't think that actually mattered. Uh, I think that the man. In, the reason this man's his guide is because he was told this man would guide him. And Are in we this sure Kevin's not a homeless way, drug addict? <laughs> I like how that's Faison's <laughs> take this whole time. Are we sure he's just not on heroin again? It's like, I, well, he is. He is. But that's, I mean, that's if different. you think about it, a lot of these points, you know, he went to the he thinks he went to the afterlife. People <laughs> think he's the next coming of Jesus Christ. This all sounds a lot like things I've heard the homeless people on the street say. I, I have seen uh, I, I've known a couple of drug addicts to say this in Newark, but they are the next Jesus. So you're making fair points. Like that's <laughs> what I'm, I don't think I'm wrong here. <laughs> I don't think you're necessarily incorrect, uh, but I, I do think that the place he goes to an international assassin and the second to last episode of the show is more like a manifestation of his own mind as a personal purgatory. It's a place for him to work out character related things. And these are not actually the spirits of real dead people. These are just like constructs in his brain that are occurring. You can even go further than that and say that it's not metaphysical at all, that it's just this place that he visits in his head. It's just the thing that his brain does when the oxygen starts to run out. I'm also thinking maybe he never actually really ever dies. Well, no, well, he, he comes back. No, no, well, he, no he definitely but... dies. <laughs> he jumped into the river with uh, Cineplex tied to his legs. He definitely almost died mm. there. Yeah, I mean, I think the more convincing argument you could pick is when he got shot and was bleeding out <laughs> to death and yet crawled his ass across the fucking map um, in a great sequence. But but let's talk about International Assassin, an episode that's name was so fucking bizarre that I did not possibly know how he could tie with the rest of the show. Oh, I loved pointing it yeah, out. Yeah, I had I no idea. Me and Chris were watching this more or less together. And I said, and at one point, like if Chris got ahead, I said, hey. If you get to episode eight, uh, wait for me. And I said, go look up the name International Assassin. <laughs> so fucking bizarre. And, and yet, honestly, I think ends up doing a great job of clarifying and solidifying Kevin as a character. Right. The international mm -hmm. assassin persona that he makes up is like this idealized version of what he kind of wanted to be in his head. Not an actual international assassin, of course, but like a guy with no family, no wife, no kids, no commitments. He doesn't yeah, have to say settle he's down out there by himself. He's out there getting pussy and killing people. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. None of, none of, like he's an international fucking assassin. He's James Bond, right? Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't, none of, none of that shit that's holding him down that he hated and wanted to run away from. None of it's there anymore. Um, And that's where he makes the crucial mistake 
in his character arc in season two, which in my opinion becomes clarified in season three. He thinks that he's here to fight Patty. Patty is ultimately a part of himself. It's the part of himself that uh, recognizes the guilty remnant, right? Mm -hmm. And what he does, his big fuck up here, in my opinion, is pushing Patty down the well. So he goes through this whole arc throughout the episode where he's trying to figure out where Patty is so he can kill her. He gets to what he thinks is Patty. It's not actually Patty. He doesn't understand how he can possibly get rid of her. He just wants to get rid of fucking Patty. And he keeps learning more and more depressing things about her and and coming to sympathize with her more and more as she takes the form of a child. Who I think the saddest part of that is when, she speak, is when she's speaking as a child. It's extremely depressing. That, that's I mean, what she he realizes that the child is Patty because uh, the per, this other person in the hotel is her abusive husband, Neil. Mm -hmm. And then he realized that it was him because he asked to get shit on. And that's like, oh, wait, that rings a bell. Only one other fucking person does this. It's <laughs> only one other motherfucker. Um, yeah, but, but no, I do love that sequence of just like, oh, hey, uh, hey, Patty. Hey, Kevin. And then she would look. No, she does. It's not even luck that she knows that she's going to the well to die with to mm -hmm. die. She even tells somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he he tells the guide and yeah. he's like, oh, well, bring his swimming trunks. It's like, oh, wait, no, what? <laughs> Um, and that this is ultimately where I think Kevin Kevin fucks up in part here. He tries to get rid of the part of him that relates to Patty. Uh, but I don't think he ever acknowledges that. He never acknowledges that part as how similar it is to himself. And I don't think he ever empathizes with it, which is something he does differently in the season three death episode. Uh, instead, he, you know, pushes it down the well uh, and then he jumps down the well with it. And to, to finish mother's finish the yeah. fucking job. He wants to put her down. Just to make sure she's gone. Uh, but there's never this acknowledgement of himself in this situation and how much of this is his own fault. There's like moments of awareness because Neil talks about like, man, you're living this great fucking life, you know, you know, fuck bitches, kill people. You know, like, oh God, it's so fucking good. And he kind of he's aware of it, but he doesn't feel like he acknowledges how much of this is his own fault and the fact that really all of this is him and none of it's Patty. Mm -hmm. um, and in the end of the season, when he gets shot and he um, is back in the death place and he's doing karaoke, man, this show's weird to talk about. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and that is, that's one of my that's favorite scenes. One of my favorite scenes in the whole show is when he's doing karaoke in death. Um, and he he gets a, a very important moment there where he understands what he needs in his life. Right. He comes to the conclusion of what's important. But. It, it, I see this. This is my one thing with this character that I, I'm trying to piece together still because we only finished season two, season three the other day, Tyler. Maybe you can tell me about this. At the end of season one, he comes to the conclusion that what matters is his family and community, um, specifically Nora, the, the woman he loves, right? Mm -hmm. mm. Um, and in the end of season one, he goes to her and he goes to her in their home, right? And it's this big kind of like well, thing that's wait, does she go? In season one, he goes home and she happens to be there. He's not going to her. In season two? No, he's going to her. No, one, I'm saying. Oh, I'm talking about season two. You said oh, season no, you one. You said I'm one sorry. multiple times. My bad. In season two, I, this is a two-season show, Tyler. There is no season one. Um, But it's, he goes to her in season two at the end of season two, and he's looking for her, and he finds her there, right? And it's this big moment, at least to me, that reads as like, he understands what's important to him here. It's uh, her and the family, yeah. It's her and the family. Uh, and yet in season three, we pretty much start off with him still in a very similar place to season two in some ways. And I'm pretty I think there was a way that I had figured I pieced it together, but I forgot what I had said, uh, because in season two, he's back in that place between places like I keep calling it like he doesn't necessarily want to kill himself, 
but he keeps suffocating himself with the bag because you know he can't die. He kind of punishing himself for being yeah, alive he is, here. He's still assuming that he can't die because he's died literally three times at this I think, point. I think it's more than that. I think he's quite frankly punishing himself. Mm. I think it's his own form of self-flagellation here. Uh, you know, I and I think that that's a really big part of it where he's he is a guilty remnant in the same way, which is why when we see him in his death psycho- psychological world, he is the president of the country and the leader of the guilty remnant cult, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he he's quite literally like torturing himself for being here. And I think in part torturing himself for not being able to that that's where I get a bit lost. Is, is it not being able to stay with Nora? Or, or, I think or what well, I don't I mean, understand. That's the... what that's that's the one thing I feel a bit lost on right now, Tyler. I, mm, I feel like we'll jump ahead if we talk about most oh, yeah, of yeah, right I, now. I think we'll talk about the rest season, of season two. two. Yeah, season two. Yeah, International Assassin is one of the acclaimed episodes of the show. It's besides being one of the best of the show, it's just considered one of the best in any show. Yeah, it's amazing. The whole sequence of him being an assassin is just cool as hell. But also, you get the emotional death of Patty. You think he's there to kill Patty and just like he'll be done with it, but that's clearly not it because in season three, he keeps like he still has problems. He still thinks he's seeing somebody else. He's just not dealing with shit right at all. That finale with him singing Homeward Bound, yeah, is probably one, if not the best scene in the whole show. I just love that scene. I love that scene. Yeah, and him seeing everyone at the fire, not the fire, at his house after the fucking guilty remnant ransacks the whole town. He goes, (laughs) (laughs) I love him waking up and seeing the apocalypse upside as he's dying. It's just Mad Max. It's just Mad Max. I love it. See, John, the guy who shot him, seeing him in the nursery, and he's like, "Hey, John!" It's like, "What? The, I just killed you two yeah. minutes ago." <laughs> uh, but yeah, the I don't know what's going on. Neither do I. It's like, yeah, it's both a reference to the show. It's like, yeah, I don't know what's going on either. I'm just watching it. I'm getting everything. And then season three, you, you, you think, uh, you think season three is not gonna get as weird. I think it gets weirder. Season three gets so much get weirder. weirder. So much. We fun. also yeah. we get a, a little Meg backstory episode. Yeah, that episode Meg's made me hate her even more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Meg's you, kind you of get the, the reason. You get the reason of yeah, her mom dying in this ep- in the episode because of flashback. Yeah, but that wasn't that the same episode Jordan. where she's like, yeah, I, I raped that guy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like I said when we watched Lord of the Rings, man, that felt weird watching Lord of the Rings again after having seen that. It, it didn't feel right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, season three uh, opens up with a uh, flashback to, I'll call it Pilgrim Times. Yeah, another weird opening. <laughs> yeah, they're waiting for a catastrophe or listing off catastrophes. Chris, which one was it? Um, they're waiting for a catastrophe and they keep changing the date. Mm-hmm. They're waiting for the end of the world, but it's like, ah. I got. Uh, I did the math next, wrong. Next Sunday. Next Sunday. Next. You tell them damn sinners they're gonna burn. Oh, uh, I forgot to carry the one. Oh, uh, <laughs> next next Monday. <laughs> like, damn, I should have put it a little further away. <laughs> I'm really running out of opportunities to buy time. Oh wow, well, look at that. That that that's not supposed to be an eight. That's supposed to be I, a nine. We have see, another hundred years. Oh, uh, I. You know, I did not carry the two. Um, it's gonna happen. Unfortunately, long after all of our dance. Yeah, and that's well, you might uh, as well relating, stick around. That's relating back to the people in this season who believe that the end of the world is coming on the seventh anniversary of the departure. Yeah. 
And you know, they probably, fucking, they probably fucking felt that way about the sixth and the fifth and the fourth. And yeah. they're mm-hmm. probably going to feel that way about the eighth and the ninth and the tenth. For sure, the tenth. <laughs> for sure, the tenth. And <laughs> if they ever get to the hundredth, they're going to be freaking the fuck out. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So there's no actual reasoning. It, it's 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 interesting because there's no actual like much like what the guy's putting on paper. There's no actual logistics for any of this. It's just blind faith and what people are willing to accept and believe mm-hmm. in order to. If it just, happened once, why not happen again? Yeah. In order to believe that it's not random, they'd much rather believe that it'll happen again. I just think that's all. I think again, the show gets interesting when it talks more about belief and less less about just barely grief. And then I had one of my favorite moments of this show watching with Chris, uh, the Guilty Remnant scene. In season three. Guilty Remnant scene in season three. Uh, let me reenact it real quick. Oh, what's that outside? Looks like a drone. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, it's a drone. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is during the Obama administration. Yeah, so uh, after the Guilty Remnant. Uh... I'm allowed to make a drone strike joke if he's allowed to make drone strikes. Yeah. That's it's fair. only fair. Yeah, after Guilty Remnant uh, invade uh, Miracle, uh, the United States decides, uh, fuck it, let's just kill them all with a drone, st- drone strike. It's like, hey, listen, what are you going to do? Yeah, Those they tell... Damn hippies. They then the tell town. a fake story that uh, they it's died in a uh, gas explosion because... Classic, classic gas leak and someone was Gas smoking. leak, and yeah, they all smoke, so of course they were going to light it and it blows up, which honestly... You could have just sent sense. the guy in there. You could have <laughs> just sent the guy, guy in there to send a, ma- send a maintenance man in to leak out the gas as opposed to sending a fucking drone. Yeah, but a gas leak, you know, there's a chance that people survive. Yeah, I need to make they, they send men with guns too to, to gun down anyone who got out. This is people with machine guns. So it's a gas leak, and you just see a guy shooting someone trying to crawl out of the wreckage. But Nothing. then that causes problems later on because guilty remnants want to be known as a martyr. Yeah. And then after they all blow up, the, there's another time skip. It's seven years after the first departure. Uh, there's a group who believe they were right, or like they weren't, they didn't deserve to get blown up because everyone knows the truth. They, they they keep saying, "Oh yeah, it was gas." Like everyone's like, "No, you blew." But the fuck some up. people are willing to accept it. And I think that's an important theme of this situation or this season. It's it's kind of a level of accepting things that you can't control, right? Because Evie's dad is willing to cope with the fact that his daughter died here by saying well you know she died in a gas leak it totally wasn't the government who bombed her or nothing yeah, like that it was just he, a little bit of gas it, it's a lie that he accepts to give himself closure and that's i think a very important theme of season three continue Tyler, please. so yeah that's mainly the first episode not mainly uh you see where everyone's at Roy is now with john erica is away in the first episode she's just not living with them anymore they're divorced uh, Tommy and Kevin are Kevin's the police chief. Tommy's a cop. And uh, Matt is writing a book. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very good book. It's the good book. It's, it's the good book. Chapter two, the electric boogaloo. It's the good yeah. book. Jesus strikes back. Yeah. After uh, Kevin died three times last season and came back and Michael, uh, John's son, was a witness to him coming back. They write the new Bible and have Kevin as Jesus. Yeah. Again, the things people are willing to believe. Which, I mean, let's be honest, though. If somebody came back to life three different times in front of me. That's Jesus. Yeah. Also, I'm all for like, Jesus, Jesus making sense. Not a religious person, but I'd sounds start like, praying. Sounds like Jesus. Yeah. Feels like that's a Jesus to me. I, I, 
I'm just thinking about talking about the show again, just mentioning that, yeah, he came back three times and is Jesus. It's like, yeah, this is this show. Guess where the rest of the show takes place? Australia. <laughs> I bet no matter what you fucking guessed, it wasn't Australia. No, I didn't think that's where we were going. I never no. could have imagined we were going down under. You, you didn't think that one line that Kevin Senior said in season two, it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to Perth, Australia. I would come back later. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna I, go I didn't even to... think about that line again after he straight up says, I'm me. going to Australia. And it's like, oh, okay, that's just like a throwaway line. It's like, nope, that's a big deal. God. So yeah, it's uh, we'll find out later in a little bit why he's in Australia. But yeah, the first two episodes are in Jordan. Uh, Noah gets a call about. Oh, she gets a call from this actor from Perfect Strangers, this uh, '80s sitcom, and he says, "Oh yeah, I need to talk to you. Uh, come to uh, some place in the United States." He, he, she flies her out, and he tells her about this device that sends you uh, to where the departed people were allegedly and uh, yeah that's basically a big uh, idea for this season is for Noah at least is would you go in this machine to see your kids again at first or like there's a half and half chance that it just incinerates you and kills you or maybe that actually works because she has so many files of people who it looks like being held hostage, but that's just a video mm-hmm. of people holding up a newspaper and saying, oh, this is today's date. I know what I'm doing. I want to be with them. And then they either go away or get burnt up. Yeah. So uh, that's her deal. That's her deal. I, 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 also, I want to talk about Kevin's character arc again, because I think it actually all just kind of clicked to me here a little bit. Uh, I think that a big thing for Kevin between season two and season three, the thing that I was trying to piece together a little bit earlier in the episode um is 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 has to do with a bit of a lack of control in in a way so he he understands what he wants he is still however unable to seemingly make it stick and being able to get it and that's not entirely on him although it very heavily is because he wants to be with Nora but he kind of fails to take Nora's situation into consideration um which is something that doesn't happen until the very last episode uh he at one point pretty much goes and says to her let's have a baby <laughs> As if that's at all the thing to say uh, at this that, point in time. That solves everything. Yeah. There's a lot. Of, he's genuine and sincere in the terms of like, that's what he wants. He wants a family with her. But he he fails to consider her as a person in this situation. And he yeah. also fails to consider himself in that he has not gotten rid of his issues. He has only made them he, worse. <laughs> he, he, he put a face to them and then he pushed that face in a well. And he decided he was okay. Uh, he has not acknowledged that it is he's not okay yeah he is both the international assassin and he is the guilty remnant leader and and he he has these two parts of the part that wants to run away and the part that wants to give up and the you have two wolves inside you one is suicidal the other is suicidal (laughs) that is kevin in season three yeah um and it it doesn't come until there's a conclusion both about the self in terms of what he is and, and being willing to tear it all down um, and then also his relationship with Nora and being able to accept her and her feelings and the things that aren't exactly rational if it means it makes her happy. It's not until then that he's able to find happiness. And I just think now now it's all kind of clicked for me here. And I very much like Kevin's arc. So that's that's just that I want to talk about. Uh, Nora, on the other hand, is just basically telling herself she's trying not to commit suicide the whole season. That is her big thing. I'm not killing myself. I'm going to see my kids. Yeah, that's that's the lie she tells herself, because if her kids are dead, 
she's going to see her kids. It doesn't really matter if she lies in that way. You know, yeah. it's not a big deal for her in there. And yeah, no matter I, what, she's seeing them. Yeah. And one thing I really love about season three is that its focus is a lot tighter um, than the previous seasons. The cast is smaller and we're mostly focused on Kevin, Nora and Matt and every all three of them are fucking. Well, fantastic. now Kevin Senior. Kevin Senior only really has like one full episode to himself. I would argue that those core three are kind of our trinity. Dare I say the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit uh, in a way here. Um, I guess actually you could have it be the father, the son, the Holy Spirit, and Mary. You don't need to say that. It's okay. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> Just thank Um, But yeah, we go to Australia, and it's pretty fucking wild. Tyler, do you want to take us there? Uh, What's it in the third episode? Yes. Crazy white fellow thinking. Yeah. This is the solely Kevin Senior episode. Uh, we see why he's in Australia. Uh, originally in the first se- in the first season, we see that he has mental problems. He was the police chief, but he had to resign because he was hearing voices and he was just going insane. And uh, in season two, and the only time we actually see him, well, we see him twice. The first time we see him, he straight up says, "Oh yeah, I started listening to what the voices told me to do," and that's how they went away. You see him yeah, for which a second. Is a terrifying and- thing to say. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, for any rational person, that's a very... That's like a big scary. red flag. Yeah. So, yeah, he says he's going to Perth. You see him again for a split second in uh, International Assassin, Assassin through the TV saying... Uh, he tells Kevin to bring uh, Patty to the well. He also explains that I've been tripping on God's tongue and uh, we need to get this fire burning in this hotel room. So that's just a wild scene. He's actually <laughs> in Australia to learn the different tribal songs... Uh, in order to stop the apocalypse. Yeah. Man, this is a weird show. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is such a great show. You didn't you don't know where it goes. And then it, I love that he's about to learn the last song and the guy just dies. <laughs> he it, this season gets so fucking funny. There's a scene in the in episode 2 where there he's like it's it's uh Kevin, right? And he's a cop and Dog Hunter guy comes back. And Dog Hunter guy's like, "Listen, I got to tell you something big." I gotta tell you something really important. And Kevin's like, oh fuck. He knows something big. This guy was like with me back when I was killing dogs, you know. Yeah. Things, you know, things have been crazy ever since. Maybe this guy has something without him. He's like, there are canine human beings taking <laughs> oh, over that's the, first episode. the yeah, country. Yeah. <laughs> there are dog people, and they can hear my magic whistle. And that's how I know they're dog people. And then Kevin's like, all right, you're kind of crazy. I'm going to open the door. And then he blows the dog whistle. And because Kevin looks back, he immediately <laughs> believes that Kevin is a werewolf. Yeah, it's that's, the in, the funniest fir- that's first in the first episode. Funniest fucking thing. There's like even a hard music. Cut. Like the music's really intense when he's like, I have something to tell you. And then the music completely cuts away when he's like, there are canine humanoids in the White House right now. And they have the nuclear option. <laughs> Uh, and then 10 minutes Kevin. later Dean gets his head shot off by Tommy because yeah, Tommy Dean tried to kill out. Tommy and Kevin mm-hmm. yeah pretty wild night <laughs> crazy day and miracle um, uh, crazy white yeah, thinking white is also fella. fucking hilarious absolutely hilarious the fact yeah, that it, those those women kill the wrong Kevin so fucking fun they're looking for Kevin Garvey they accidentally find some other cop named Kevin Garvey so they drown him thinking he's not even Kevin Garvey it's not Kevin Garvey they don't know they don't know a last name they just know Kevin and he's a cop (laughs) they just kill every Kevin Kevin in Australia 
Oh my the god. The fact that they know a Kevin and a cop, that's the only reason he's like, Oh yeah, we know who you are. And they drown him and it's like, oh wait, help me, help me. Uh another episode, I'm not sure which one, opens up with a man naked in a submarine attempting to blow up. It's a Matt 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 world. It's Matt 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 world. We have a man who's naked in a submarine trying to set off nukes because he believes that there is a demon monster on this island. Uh, yeah, the island from Lost. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's hilarious. But thematically it all makes no, sense. No, that is it's supposed kinda... to be the island from Lost. <laughs> That's kind of fucking funny, actually. Yeah, that... the point that yeah, it was just a. I mean, it's both in the show, but like it was like a little uh, Easter egg because Damon also did Lost, and everyone joked about it. it's like, oh wait, you blew up the island. Is is Hurley dead? <laughs> uh, I I like that sequence quite a bit just because it ties into the whole what people will do with belief, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll shoot a cop because they think he's a werewolf man. Maybe they'll steal a fucking nuclear a submarine. The real question is, how do we know he wasn't a werewolf man? <laughs> because it does, he doesn't turn into a werewolf we for the rest that. of the show. How do you know the people disappeared? <laughs> because they're gone, Tyler. Have we ever seen? Was there? Has there ever been a scene with full moon out? You got me there. He's got me, ladies and gentlemen. That's why he grew the beard. He's struggling <laughs> to maintain his werewolf form. <laughs> um. Uh. God. Yeah. So, uh, Matt, Matt, Matt World. I was going to say Gil Good Day Melbourne first. I love that episode. Oh, yeah. Good Day Melbourne. Yeah. Matt Good having Day, a continued mental breakdown, chasing yeah. after a random woman, thinking that it's Evie, uh, yelling and getting into a massive fight with Nora, where he basically says she should have killed herself. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think also comes back very interestingly with the idea of like, like I've talked about suicide a couple of times with like as a theme of the show. I think it ends up tying into play very well there where he basically says, at least you should have like made a choice to give up as opposed to lying to yourself about what you're doing. Um, so I think that's all very fun. Matt is like desperately, Kevin is desperately chasing Nora to Australia. Basically he's following her around, but they are just, he doesn't acknowledge her, you know? He's chasing after her to be with her, but he's not acknowledging why she's going to Australia. Yeah. He's just like, can I come with you to Australia, please? Uh, he doesn't quite understand how to to handle being with her as a person. And it's very interesting, and I really like it. Uh, and now we go to the lion orgy, though. I, I was going to say, I do love the end sequence. Well, the end sequence of her fight, Nora and Kevin's fight, him the, burning the, the, shot. the book. Mm-hmm. And the shot of the tear, not the tears, just the water from the fire, the sprinklers raining down on her. It, that whole thing is just beautiful. Uh, I do actually want to say, I think that a big thing about Kevin in the book is that Kevin wants to believe it. Kevin really wants to believe he's Jesus, because if he believes he's Jesus, it means he has power over his own life. And more importantly, he has power enough to fix the situation with Nora and to make everything the way it should be and to save the world that he feels guilty about everything going wrong. He has the ability to actually make everything better if he's Jesus. So he really fucking wants to believe that book as much as he says he doesn't like it. Side note, I do love any time this season when someone says they're not calling Kevin Jesus, but any time they meet Kevin, the first thing his dad says is Jesus, and it's not it's not a, a Jesus Kevin, it's just like a Jesus, oh, I can't believe you're here, but it's still so funny. It's a, it's a good bit. Another great bit is every time Kevin says the word what, it is the funniest fucking thing in the world. His delivery <laughs> is so good, because he's, he's the best straight man in, in like a comedy, so just because just because he knows everything's ridiculous, but he has to go through all this random shit, because like, alright, I have nothing else to do in this moment. I later on he describes the afterlife. It's like all, right, all the biometrics are to me and me only. And his dad's like, 
the fuck does that mean? It's like, I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense either. <laughs> I just love whenever like his dad his teller gives him a big expo dump of like God divinity information. He's like, what? He has the most exhausted and pained look on his face. Like, I just want one day without any to not die. Crazy Can I white not die bullshit. for one day? <laughs> just one time. Um, but we get to go to a Matt, Matt, Matt world where Matt is basically trying to get to Kevin because they think they need him for the apocalypse, yada, yada, yada. Uh, they end up on a boat with uh, an orgy where people basically praise worship a Frasier. lion. They praise, yeah, they praise Frasier, the 1991 television series, uh, also known as a spinoff to Cheers. Uh, they're really big fans, but damn if they don't hate Lyle. Lyle? Uh, Lars? Yeah, Lyle. Lyle, Lyle. I it the first time. Fuck. Uh, um but no, they <laughs> they worship uh, Frazier the lion, uh, the lion that uh, fathered 70 kids. A lot of kids. Well, this is not Frazier per se. This is Frazier's descendant they keep on the boat. Yeah. Real Frazier's probably hella fucking dead. Is yeah, that even a, worth keeping? Yeah. It's like one of 70. <laughs> I mean, it's, if if uh, the god lion had kids, do you not want one? I don't know. Maybe? Yeah, but like maybe we don't know how his powers are, you know, work or anything like that yeah, it might nobody not knows it might not even be semen related Did maybe like only the first kid got most of the power and then just it thinned out with every subsequent child yeah this might just not be an and then we're there they have the 70th, 70th child but <laughs> they have the, the weakest sperm so um yeah so matt 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 will he's on the boat with uh lloyd john and michael they're all trying to get to kevin uh and he uh, has a deep religious moment where he speaks to God. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is God's uh, an asshole. Yeah. God or David Burton. We've seen him before. He is. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I like that sentence. God, also known as David Byrne. We've seen him before. Uh, apparently in season one, uh, if you look at the TVs, there is an actual like report about him. It says a man uh, is alive in a cave. And his story was, yeah, he uh, was rock climbing, got into an accident, and his friend left him in a cave because he assumed he died. And then, like, when the cops got went to the body, he was fine. And uh, Kevin knows him because he's also the man in the hotel who told him to sing and who almost hung him on the bridge. Yeah. So, that's yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. So, he, so Matt, he says he's God. He just gives a card out because he's sick of answering these questions. Half of them are like kind of funny because like, yes, I did this. Yes, Dennis real. The Holocaust is not on me. It was not on me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually think this portrayal of God's quite fun because it is what I would call the. Uh, the traditional atheist argument against God incarnate is basically this one, right? The idea that if there's a God and yet there's also terrible things in this world, uh, God is either not all powerful or not all good. It's got to yeah. be one of the two. Because if he's all good, why the fuck does he let this shit happen? Unless it's like for people to worship him out of a sense of egoism. And if he's all good, then why the fuck does he allow these bad things to happen in the first place? Right. Mm -hmm. So here we have a version of God who's neither all powerful as he gets literally eaten by a lion and also a massive fucking prick. And yet probably actually God or at least one of the many magic men in the series. It remains yeah. unclear. <laughs> um, it remains unclear how that actually functions. But it's very interesting to see Matt pretty much praying. It's not really praying to him. I, praying to him in a way, but not like prayers and worship. Not, as in, like, more like I praying. Say praying. And... He's, he's trying to question. Like he At first, he's just when he kidnaps him. because He's, he's he... trying to speak with God, which certain, certain denotations of the Catholic faith would still count as praying. 
Sure. Uh, which is why I would use, I, I use that verbiage. But uh, nonetheless, he's basically trying to get into this discussion with God and beg for answers like why, which ends why did up you be- kill a guy? <laughs> yeah. Which ends up being. Uh, well, he his, his story is a, is a reference to Job um, from the Bible, this man who continues to suffer yet always maintains his faith. Uh, except I would make the argument that they do a little bit of an inversion to that storyline here, where obviously by the end, it's not 100% clear what Matt believes at the end of I mean, all things. I mean, for me, after seeing the man who continually calls himself God, he sees him kill a guy. <laughs> the artist formerly known as God. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, Matt sees him kill a guy. Nobody believes him because it's a giant orgy. No one's paying attention. The uh, The captain of the ship knows but and he's like all right he's always here and there's no actual like formal list of people oh no there is just nobody cares about it so he kidnaps god talks to him uh, and basically says like no i admit you did it he says yeah i did it like so what and then uh, he he talks to him first as he's burton and then as the conversation goes on he's just like all right if you are god why do you do this where do the people go can you cure my cancer and then after that he basically realizes that he doesn't need to have all his faith in one thing. Yeah. His faith should be pointed somewhere else. And like Kevin, it's basically family. It's family. I also think it's the idea of helping people because even mm. at his funeral, over 400 people attend. Uh, I think it's the idea that even if God is a disappointment, he can still use what he wants to help people. He can still do everything he can to try and be a good person, whatever it costs him, right? Uh, and I really do like that for Matt. I think that's actually a great bit of story arc. And I think, like, I know you love that sequence at the very end where it, it ends in such a great line. So I'll I'll let you cover that moment. Uh, yeah, the episode ends with the captain saying, uh, hey, we found a body. We're going to arrest uh, Burton once we dock. Do you want to make a statement? And he says, do you want to make a statement if you're not busy in uh, Melbourne? And he says, yeah, basically says, yeah, I'm not busy, meaning like his whole mission to Kevin he slightly loses the faith in the mission, meaning, but instead, uh, Burn is about to escape. These people have a mission. These other people have a mission to free Fraser's descendant, and God gets eaten by a lion. And uh, as the camera holds on the back of Matt's head for a long, so long, and then he just turns around and says, "That's the man I was telling you about." And I love <laughs> that. That's one of my favorite ending lines of like any episode or show, just because. Yeah, it's the man we're talking about, the guy who killed somebody. Oh, God, you've been talking about God the entire show. And it's just such a good line. I love it. I do love that sequence. This episode has definitely grown on me more as I've thought about thought about it. I think ultimately I wasn't too impressed the first time I watched it. But as I have continued to sit and kind of, you know, digest it, I very much enjoyed it. Um, so now we get to hop over to Certified. Which I think it ends. It's basically the story from the Bible where Jesus goes praying and everyone falls asleep, except the reason they fall asleep here is because Judas fucking drugged them. <laughs> um, I do fucking love the sequence where they're like, "Oh, you're Thomas," and I'm like, "She's not fucking Thomas. <laughs> she's Judas." And she's like, "I'm Judas." I'm like, "I fucking knew it." <laughs> she's she's Judas. Lori fucking drugs everybody to have a conversation with Matt, which I think is the most hilarious fucking thing possible because it's not even a conversation to stop him sorry conversation with kevin it's not even to stop kevin it's she just wants to talk to kevin about all this and just kind of check up on him and see and he's okay and then she's gonna go and see if she kills herself and she's gonna leave it be a fucking 50 50 (laughs) i do like the ending shot where like she she goes scuba diving because they had a conversation with Noah about like how scuba diving would be 
optimal suicide, I guess, because you can't really tell yes or no if it was suicide or not. Yeah. So yeah, yeah optimal, about... but I guess not really optimal for the person that's killing themselves. It's 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 actually more of an optimal murder. Yeah. They described well, I mean, the perfect. Murder, yes. They described a perfect murder, not really the perfect suicide. I don't yeah, know if I want to. Drowning is like terrifying. Unless maybe you just lose oxygen until your brain shuts down because you're only feeding in carbon dioxide. Yeah, but eventually, like that, water will a... start to. But you're not break that in. Point, aren't you? I don't know. I don't know how that. Yeah, would work. I feel like as a human reaction, you'd try to like rip the break mask out. off, and if, then if, all if of a sudden you're just kill... swallowing ocean water. I know that carbon dioxide is supposed to be able to kill you slowly that you don't even realize you just die in your sleep. So if, yeah, if but you that's get a situation different... like that. Because like all you all the carbon dioxide you're breathing out stays in the tank. Yeah, is that how but, it works? I don't know how fucking I never scuba. I don't know. Before, I don't know. I've never I, scuba diving. I can't swim. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be scuba diving. I can swim. <laughs> I was like, we're we are all completely not capable of telling you how this fucking works. We have no fucking idea. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, this is no, as a Roy episode. You see that she tried to kill herself. Uh, during after the first departure, not the first after the departure happened, because the woman from the very first scene of the show goes is her patient, and she does not know how to answer that question of what happens when your kid disappears. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the, the thing. Like, Lori's whole thing is she's focused so heavily on logic and science mm -hmm. and reason. Right? It's like, no, Kevin, you're not. You know, you're not going to go to the afterlife and fight a devil. You just kind of need some medication and maybe therapy. Um, but she's faced with this question of like, okay, what about when science fails you? What about when all the reason in the world doesn't make any fucking sense and someone's asking you where their fucking kid went? Uh, what are you going to do? Are you going to kill yourself? And fucking kill yourself, Lori? Um, it, it, and the answer is, yeah, maybe. You know, it kind, of, it kind of depends if she can get scuba diving gear. Uh, and I think that's just really interesting. I like having Lori because she's like the philosophical straight man to everyone else. Everyone either has some form of fate or is struggling for some form of fate and, and faith. And she's like clinging on to science. However, that requires just as much faith and disposition as Matt clinging on to God. Mm -hmm. So having them be like this parallel version of one another, I think actually works quite well. Really enjoy it. I, I, I really like how all the characters were handled after season one. Yeah, no, I definitely the show 100% gets better after season one. Uh, but I think now we can actually jump on to what is now, in retrospect, my favorite episode of the whole show. The most powerful man in the world and his identical twin brother. Yeah, don't forget that part. Yeah, that's a very critical piece of detail of it. Um, in this episode, Kevin tries to kill himself again because he, no, needs he to does, collect he the does last... kill himself again. <laughs> he does kill himself again. He needs to collect the last part of the magical rain dance that will stop the end of the world. And while as he's well there, as uh, give um... he needs to find he... some shoes and he's to tell a girl that she's loved by her parents. Yeah, it's yeah. a weird mission, but somebody's got to do it. In the I end of the opening sequence of he's already killing himself, and, and everyone wakes up from himself. the dinner. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, everyone. He's like, wait, how about how about? It's like, wait, what the fuck are you doing? It's like we wanted to do this together. It's like, god damn it, all right. <laughs> it's like a big moment, you know. You don't do that without without the whole gang there, the apostles. You get, yeah, you, yeah, you got the boys together to commit to help you commit yeah. suicide. You're We're not gonna let you alone. do it alone, man. Not gonna be lonely. Anyway, he jumps into the the uh, the 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 death Pond. world or yeah, yeah the, his purgatory, and he finds himself yet again as the international assassin. Um, he has never broken that part of himself because even now, despite the fact that he has responsibilities and family, he has ran all the way to motherfucking Australia. He is still running, and that has not changed for him yet. 
And yet simultaneously, he finds something else. He learns that he has an identical twin brother, the mm-hmm. president. Who's the president? These, <laughs> the president of these United States and the leader of the guilty remnant. That part of himself that has always understood and related to the guilty remnants belief of giving up this this whole idea, this this living, walking suicide that they exist in. The part of him that's always related to that uh, pretty much manifests. And the entire story is basically just a fight between the two aspects of himself with other characters playing pieces of his mind or, or, you know, those little, little thoughts in his head. And I think it's executed so fucking perfectly. I fucking yeah. love it. I, I, I do love it. I mean, I love a lot of episodes. I love this episode a lot just because Patty's not in season three because she dies again for the seventh time yeah. in uh, second season. But as the president, uh, he get um Kevin gets asked a few questions to prove that he's a president. He gets a facial scan. He gets a dick scan because no one could ever. Wait, we should copy explain. That. We should. We should explain that joke. In the first season, we see him wearing sweats, and his penis is massive. It's the first it episode, terrifying. and he's jogging in sweats. It and apparently on set, <laughs> apparently on set, uh, it was very distracting. But uh, they got the shot for the first that scene of him jogging, and it kind of went viral. Everyone being like. Oh my God! Justin Theroux's dicker is just massive. It. He was actually a lot of women were harassing him about it, and he felt terrible, which is extremely depressing to think about. Yeah. However, at the same time, it looks like he has a fucking tumor in his pants. That thing is <laughs> fucking gigantic. It, it like just leads it's to crazy. one side. It's crazy. <laughs> he himself is keeping up the national average. Of of the of the adult male, him penis. and William Defoe. It's him and William Defoe. They have it. They they have, they are mathematical outliers. William Defoe, whose penis is supposed to be scary if seen. Um, uh, the, so, the story of him, uh, he had it off topic a lot. Defoe had to do a, a full frontal scene, and obviously, for most movies, you have. I mean, like no, even if you have a giant dick, you have to have a prosthetic because you can't just show it off on set on screen. Yeah. Uh, they made the prosthetic small, uh, smaller because it's like, yeah, that thing is just frightening. <laughs> That's what the director basically said. It's like, yeah, that thing was just they had too to purposely big. make it smaller. It's <laughs> literally the Parks and Rec scene where I don't even know if he had mumps. That man has the biggest penis I've ever mm. seen. There are I didn't two wolves check inside him. you. One of them is William Defoe's penis. The other is Justin <laughs> Thoreau's penis. They're both huge. Uh, uh, so yeah, but, that, uh, that yeah, Dick Santa scene is only in there because uh, Damon wanted to have some fun. I, I do love the sound effect in. they use, where it's like a it's funk. just a... <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, it's a tree falling in the woods. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he has to do all that. He asks, gets asked a few questions like, "What's your favorite movie? Godfather Part Two? Uh, did you have? Uh, what's your favorite pet? He never had one. And uh, the most important question: uh, Who is your Secretary of Defense? And it's Patty. He said, I love that moment where he says it because he's kind of forced to admit that out of everybody in the world he'd pick to have right there. Yeah, it'd be it'd be her. It'd be Patty. It'd be Patty. And I fucking love it because she even has a line. She's like, you brought me out of fucking retirement, Kevin. You put me down and now you got to fucking come up here for me to clean this goddamn mess. She said it's a favor. It's like, yeah, I owe you. you it is a favor. It is. Times. It is. It is a favor in this case because I think he needs this. Mm-hmm. He needs this whole sequence because what this isn't about killing all the people in the world as much as it kind of looks that way and narratively to me, he needs to wipe himself clean. He is fucked up on, on every way to Sunday. 
And trying to get rid of the part of him that was Patty wasn't enough because it never acknowledged him, the part, the part of him that was the international assassin and the part of him that related to Patty and the part of him that believed in the guilty remnant. He needs to nuke the fucker because he needs to clear out every part of who he is right now if he wants to have a chance of being with Nora and living a happy life. He needs to clear the part of himself that's constantly running away, the part of himself that wants to give up, the part of himself that wants to kill himself, that's guilty for be not being departed, that keeps clinging to death, all of it. Because none of the actual other stuff actually matters. There is no apocalypse. He's not really dead. He can't talk to Evie. He can't find where those kids' shoes are because he doesn't fucking know. None of it matters. This is all just about pulling his shit together, even if it means what he needs to do is build it up from the ground up. And I fucking love that sequence. I love this episode so goddamn much. It is I, my favorite episode in the show. The, the I'd moment, probably agree with that. The moment where his twin, when they're reading the romance novel that they wrote, and the ending is just the international assassin crying and saying, take this thing out of me so we can never come back here is I, just a great moment. The Them interacting with one another in an oddly sexual scene, actually, when I think about it, uh, it's so fucking good. Like reading the reading the novel, the tears, the emotion, understanding their failures and how much they fucked up. Ah, oh, God, it's so fuck. I mean, Tyler, you you know me. I I am a whore for a good trauma overcoming story. We've said it before. This is this is right. This is right there for me. This is good. This is a this is a sweet spot. It's nice. Then he blows up the world. Uh, that shot of the nukes coming in is so nice. It's so nice. They definitely put that in the teaser to fuck with people. Mm-hmm. Probably. Um, and then it ends with his dad standing on the roof of a building. After the say, flood. After the, the alleged after flood. The alleged flood saying he's not ready to come down. Tying into the opening sequences of the show where these people kept going up to the roof waiting for the apocalypse. Because he's not ready to give up on that faith just yet. That something was supposed to happen. No, I also love that he like he gives that message in that episode mm-hmm. and they just don't really care. Yeah. I fucking love it. I fucking love it. I love this episode. All of the stuff about faith comes crashing down around people when they're forced to acknowledge that nothing was going to happen. And yet it's, 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 it's Kevin who has this borderline spiritual acknowledgement of himself. And it's so good. So good. And that leads us to the finale of the book of Nora. I love the book of Nora. I fucking love the Book of Nora, man. Yeah, after the fight in the hotel room where they go their separate ways, Nora still is determined to go into the machine to see her kids. She makes her video. She has such a heartfelt goodbye to Matt. That comes mm-hmm. I think, so honestly, good. two of the best performances in the whole show is right there. It's just them playing fucking Mad Libs. And I think it might be two of the best performances they both give in the entire series. And they give some fucking killer performances, those two. Yeah, Matt's last line in the whole show is "You're the bravest girl in the whole in the world on Earth," is uh, so good. God, there's so many times where you just basically tear up in the ending and like throughout the whole show. It's so one of them is that good. conversation, and that's just the first fifteen fucking minutes. Yeah, <laughs> after that she disrobes. She goes into the machine. There's a flashback to her kids and whole family disappearing. The machine turns on, and you hear her. You do hear her scream. And then it just cuts to a sunny day in Australia. 15 years later. She's an old woman, older woman. Yeah, Um, we got a hint of that in the season premiere. It shows Nora as an older woman. And a a nun asks her, do you know Kevin? Kevin, she says, no. 
I think and now you realize why. Between those two, this, that sequence in this episode, there's so much misdirection that's done. Because that sequence in the first episode really feels like maybe an apocalypse happened. Yeah. Laura has like a lot of these little micro burns on her face, these little like almost scars, you know. Um, she looks worn down and ragged. Maybe the world fucking ended. And then you get here and it's like, maybe she did go to another reality where the 98% are. But maybe also, maybe is, she didn't. Maybe she fucking didn't. And then you meet Kevin here and Kevin is like, oh, man, I remember that time, you know, I met you at the dance all those years ago and I felt a spark. You want to come dance with me? And it's like, maybe Kevin's lying or maybe we're in another fucking universe. It's just, it's, you know, there's so much guessing back and forth about what's going on here. And then fucking you see Lori again, who did not successfully kill herself. Well, she uh, didn't kill herself to begin with. She, it wasn't kill, like... she, she didn't kill herself. Yeah, she's just alive. And it, it's just this big moment of like, holy shit, you're playing catch up. And really, this episode does an amazing job of keeping you on your toes. You're kind of like feel like you're bouncing back and forth trying to piece together what's happening. Um, and it, I think it's excellent for that. And I also think Nora's actress gives an amazing performance here. And I, I also really love Kevin's like, I'm just a happy guy. I don't know anything. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to play I, I, dumb. Kevin's, I mean, uh, Thoreau's acting as the this Kevin when he's just faking the whole thing. He fakes it just because he wants to get rid of all that magical bullshit. He just wants to be with her. All that and crazy the last time, bullshit. The last time it was a normal thing with her was the first time they met. Mm -hmm. So he wants that back. He Which is kind that of a weird happened. way to do it. I get I mean, it. You could, he's scared. No, no, I get it. I get it. Don't get yeah. me wrong. It's just Watching it the weird. second time, you can catch that. Yeah, he's just making shit up as he goes. Mm -hmm. The first, as he open, as he knocks on the door, it's like, oh yeah, I just saw you there. Oh, are you married? Oh, you're doing. Oh, you know, yeah. you're not. Oh, okay, it's like he's he's making it up as he goes along. He, just to I love it. Fill an he, act. He's so terrified. He understands everything he wants. He's been looking for it. He's been fighting for it all this time. He's really pulled himself together. He's changed the person he was. You know, he is the man he wants to be for her. And he he's terrified of her in this moment. She mm -hmm. is the scariest fucking thing he's ever seen. He has no idea how to react. So he just starts fucking making bullshit up, being like, I just was I'm just in vacation in the middle of fucking nowhere, Australia. <laughs> it's as if anyone in their right mind would believe that bullshit. Yeah. And he tries to keep it up the entire time. Like he invites her to dance. It's not a dance. It's a wedding that he was invited to. So he brings her along. Uh. He keeps he does tell the truth at some point. He says that Jill got married, Tommy got divorced. He had a heart attack. Uh, he did have a heart attack, which is a great sequence because it makes you suddenly wonder if maybe he had a stroke and he genuinely doesn't remember. Like mm. that was like the first time. Like, is he maybe like so unwell that he he doesn't really know what happened? Um, I think that's a great sequence. There's one really great bit of comedy where the already pregnant like bride says to her husband, I have some news for you now that we're married. I'm pregnant and she's like nine months deep and he's like no no <laughs> you, you it's probably yours <laughs> and then like one of the saddest moments is just them dancing oh. and then she them oh. dancing uh, and he's still holding on to the lie and she pulls away saying I can't do this it's not true and walks away it's so heartbreaking mm -hmm. this I can't believe that leftovers is one of the best love stories we've ever seen yeah because their relationship is so fucking good uh, we have a sequence with the nun where basically the nun's lying about hooking up with somebody. It's important thematically, but I, I think it's skippable narratively because then we have what I consider to be actually one of the best sequences in the whole show. It's a sequence where a goat has already been let free from the wedding and they put beads around his neck. 
the beads symbolize the sins of the wedding goers. Man, this show is weird to talk about. I was about to say, can you imagine if you like somebody's listened to this, never watched the show in their life, and it's like <laughs> just wait until the Twin Peaks episode. Actual it's... fuck are you talking about? Wait anyway, until the Twin Peaks goats? episode. <laughs> she has to climb. Well, we didn't even talk about the other goats. There's a lot of goats in this show. A lot of goat um, death. A lot of goat death. But this goat doesn't die because instead she climbs up the hill. And she takes she the climbs sins up the 94 incline in extreme incline. She takes the sin of the goat onto herself and she rescues the goat quite literally make burdening herself with the sins of all the other people in this way, kind of being the guilty remnant, right? It's quite literally burdening herself with the, the, the imagery of sin that all these other people have now put on the goat. Right. And then at the end of the episode, Kevin comes back. And he tells her the fucking truth. He tells her that he couldn't stop, that he's been trying to find her for all these fucking years. And they have a conversation. He talks about Matt's funeral and it's pretty depressing. Everyone else is doing all right. And Nora tells him uh, what happened when she went through the machine, how that she went through another reality where 98% of the population disappeared and the other 2% were there. And she traveled all the way to the United States to find her family. And to, she found them happy because over there, they were the lucky ones over there. You know, they all stood together. And then because of that, she then found the creator of the magic machine box thing and teleported herself back to our reality. Uh, it's all clearly fucking bullshit. Yeah, it is. None she never went real. through the thing. She never went through the fucking thing. I personally like the idea that she stopped it herself. I know that me and Tyler have debated on that. I think that yeah. thematically it works best if we say that she chose to stop it because yeah, she was the, unable to go through. So we were talking about this. My there's an episode before in season three that shows that not half the time she was working with any machine, it just didn't work for her. So that to me would lead into the idea that the machine did not work for her either. I kind of like could. the her stopping it though. But then me and Tati were saying like. If she stopped, I don't think the scientists would care because the whole point, not the whole point, they said that if you ingest any of the, the liquid, you will die. Here's the problem with that, Tyler. This is what I, I piece together now. You're trying to put narrative weight on a show that doesn't give a fuck about narratives. You're putting like real world logic to a show that we can't even understand its after. Well, no, my, my, the, my logic with the machines is not real world. No, no, not your logic with the machines. I'm speaking, talking specifically about the, the, the poison, like the scientists wouldn't care. I don't think the narrative of this show matters half the time. You know what I mean? The government just drops a random fucking bomb on these people in like the most ridiculous <laughs> thing. Like it's the most ridiculous thing imaginable. And we all just kind my of buy it because that it's, is it's that fine. They did no, because they invaded a they invade the, they were terrorists and they invaded a town. So. Tyler, yeah, they, Tyler, they wouldn't drop bomb. a bomb on it. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> let's be honest. See, a, Tyler, I, that one I find they would have sent in the national guard. That was it. Yeah, yeah, they, they wouldn't cut. No, they would. They, they took it out no, as quietly no. as they can. Tyler, the army the over there is way more is way more red flag. This is more new... of a red flag. A fucking building of people mysteriously disappears in a gas explosion. Sending actual soldiers. To do the job yes and just arresting the cultist who like you said invaded a fucking town that going sounds for rest yes I'm... Rest? they're not gonna not fight they them. don't fight back they don't fight back but they want to die you fucking cuff them up you toss them in a van 
I, I'm sorry. This show does not care about na- a man naked and lube the fuck up, set off nukes to stop guns. I don't stop think he was slipping and sliding, dude. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> grabbed him. <laughs> he set off nukes to blow up China, Tyler. Wasn't China was the, oh, uh, the island from Lost? Love the island from Lost, Tyler. Narrative is irrelevant. The logic of, well, she would have already ingested the metals, and why would they stop? Because they would have been, that doesn't fucking matter. All that matters is the theme and what works well, best for So theme. wait, why are you saying would they stop? Why would they? I think they would stop because this was best for the theme. I think it's best for the theme that Nora is unwilling to do this. Yeah, see, you're basing that on theme. I'm basing that on the what would you say what would what has the show had more of theme or logic i mean it has its own internalized logic tyler you can't deny that it's internalized but it's like internalized in the most contrived metaphysical way possible tyler we have twin peaks as long as it follows their own rules yeah tyler the own rules don't say anything about the fucking the the scientists just being these assholes tyler we have woman clearly is tyler tyler I can't before believe you're gonna try and apply logic to this. But before we continue, because it's just, this is a clearly a we're it's not like, yeah we're it. not gonna agree this. One. <laughs> yeah, so like like uh, the show does that in a way that yeah, there's a lot of ways to look at the shit. Yeah, you can say the, does that the whole you can show. say yeah that is the whole show. So you can say that her story at the end of a uh, Nora's story at the end is um I went to this place the I went to the other side where 98 percent of the world disappeared. I eventually got home. And I found my kids, my family, and I realized that they moved on. I do not belong here. They're already happy with the other woman that my husband found there. So, yeah, she tells the story that, yeah, I, I found the inventor. He built a machine. I got me back here. In the end, it does not matter if that's a lie or the truth. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It matters that Kevin believes it and is okay with that so he can be with her. Yeah. That's the bottom line. That's the. I, I think it's interesting because she doesn't accept his lie, but he accepts hers, and I think that's his really lie of what being Jesus. No, no, his oh, no, lie no, 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 of no. like faking. Yeah, the lie of faking. Yeah, uh, but, but that's important. one lie is a lot more believable than the other. Yeah, but I think it's important though because I think that it it shows that like there is a certain amount they need to accept from one another, right? And he needs to, she she needs to believe this, and he understands that to move forward. She needs to believe in a sense of closure. Yeah. He doesn't need to wipe the slate clean for them to be okay together. I think that's the difference. It's just understanding what the other person needs here. And the fact that they do. And that's the reason that they're they're they they can finally, after all of this, the whole point of the show is after everything they lost, they can finally be good together. And I really fucking like that. I've really, really grown. I've I've really come to I've come. I was debating between season two and three when I saw it with Tyler. However, my opinion has become more and more clear as I have thought on the show. I very much enjoyed these last two seasons. They're I told really you it's good. very hard to pick the two. Yeah, it, I, I expect this to be in our top 100 list for myself. At least I ended up despite season one being fucking dog water. Absolute trash. Just ignore ignore season one. It didn't happen. Ignore, ignore you season still, one. You still have happen. to watch it. You still have to. You still watch have to watch it. it yeah, but also, watch ig- it. but ignore it nonetheless because it's just bad. like the last two seasons of Game of Thrones didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you still have to watch it for the Jon Snow show to fix it. Totally fix yeah. it, please. Just take your fucking time with it, HBO. Don't anyway. Don't rush. Yeah, leftovers is, is amazing. It has one of the most satisfying satisfying endings of any show. It was deeply satisfying. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
Yeah, it deserved Emmys. This, originally, this was in a category for shows that get ignored at the Emmys. Yeah, yeah. considering got zero. Considering that this episode is probably been several. It didn't get it an, never uh, got nominated. one win for for Norris. No, it didn't get a win. It got a nomination for guest actress for uh, Patty's appearance in the and uh, Most Powerful Man. That's the cruelest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, this is and easily then, the most well acted show. I think we've co- one of the most well acted shows we've ever covered on this show, at least. Mm-hmm. Yep. Every single year it was on, it got on every top 10 list. I mean, like, yeah, two and three obviously got way more than season one, but like, for the like, it's the same idea. Like, it was on it for the first season, way more for the other two. For the best of 2010 uh, list, it was the most nominated show, or not, not mo- most called out show is one of the best shows of the decade. Yeah. Dude, and that's it crazy. Got nothing. It hasn't won anything. Nope. Has it been nominated but, for much or no? No. Like outside of that one nomination you just said. Nope. It never got nominated at the Emmys. Oh, it never got nominated. Maybe it got nominated crazy. for like for like uh like maybe like, some, some like an Emmy that stuff. didn't really matter. Yeah, but even then it never won. Kind kind of fucking that's psychotic. what the fuck. But yeah, just watching it, anybody watching it, that's why it had it you could say it has like a cult fan base, because like once you watch it, it's like, yeah, everyone loves it. It, no one will ever say anything bad about the, the season two and three. Yeah, there's a lot you can say bad about season one. However, nothing you can say bad about two and three. It, well, like the like the mediocreness or like like the fact that season one is bad is made up for the fact that the, the season two and three are so good. It and I want to I yeah. want to point out it's bad not like in a Game of Thrones way. No, it's, I don't think it's like. And, no, and it you're going to tell me the writing was that like... bad. You're going to tell me the writing was bad compared to season uh, it's, seven it, it's not it's as bad not as Game of Thrones, bad. no. It's not as exactly, bad. No. Exactly. But like, it's, I, it's I'm, still... the only, but I'm the only defender here. So, like, I'm agreeing with you that, yes, two of the obviously leagues better. They're some of the <laughs> best TV ever. Tyler's like, I'll give you, I'll, I will budge this far and this far only. But to me, <laughs> there is enjoyable, there's enjoyable, oh no, great episodes in season one. Obviously, the worst episodes in there. You, you gotta fucking just push through it. I feel yeah. like it's even considered filler. I don't even think anything actually happens in that episode. It's not good, man. But he, but the thing, Tyler's right though. Where like there are good episodes in season one. At least. Yeah, good episodes. Yeah. Matt, Nora. There's great episodes and good moments. Yeah, yeah. it's just overall. It overall, is the one it just I feel feels like through. it's lacking. It's like a six to a six slash seven compared to the nine and tens of the next two seasons. Yes, that's a good yeah. way to put it. With that in mind, ready to... Is that the binge? Yeah, the rankings. Binge. All right. Number three. Number Oh, yeah, number one. I'm sorry, number three is season one. Yeah, season, season one. one. Yeah, it's not good. It's really bad. Yeah. It, I don't like it. I know, like, I Tyler's obviously, like, you know, we've, we've come to a piece about it. We're making some, like, you know, like, yes, we can agree on this. We can disagree on that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Ultimately, it makes me unhappy. Um, So <laughs> that's that's where I draw the line, damn it. Uh, number two, number two, two, season two. Yeah, season two. It's tough. I, it's a tough choice. It was. But... It's so hard. It was quite think, tough. I still don't. I still think my favorite moment is Kevin singing Homeward Bound. I think I can agree with that. Although, but I will say, but yeah, I think my two. favorite episode is uh, the most man. powerful man in the world. I I think that I my, don't my know favorite what my episode favorite episode is, episode is. My favorite episode is the most powerful man in the world, and I think the other thing that makes it tough is that one of my two one of my favorite sequence two of my favorite sequences are the nukes dropping 
and Nora and Kevin's conversation here. Mm-hmm. I think those are both two of the best sequences of the whole show. And they ended up meaning quite a lot. So uh, I, yeah, see now season two is my number two pick. Yeah. And then number number one. one, season three, season three, season three. It's kind of impeccable. Number one. It's kind and of one of the I... best seasons of TV out there. And what's your best episode? Both of you best, uh, most powerful man. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I gotta go with International Assassin or it's a Matt 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 World. I just love them both. They're both. I think up I have there to too. give it to Matt. I think <laughs> I gotta give it to Matt World just because of the ending and his conversation with God. Uh, yeah, they're all great. Yeah. I mean, there there's a lot of great episodes in the show. Tyler, I may have I may have uh, may, I may I may have jabbed at you for making me watch this, especially during season one, but I I will say this is very good. As your reward, here's seven more episodes of Twilight. As your reward, Tyler, we have the bad book adaptation episode coming out this November. Aragon, the Dark Tower, Vampire Diaries, I think, or something like that. Vampire Academy, I don't know. Woo! Ah, you suck. And that's the binge. Tyler, sign us off. Uh, Let us know if you've seen The Leftovers. If you have, what is your best episode? What is your favorite season? Who is your favorite character? Who is your guys' favorite character? Kevin. Kevin. Or Matt. Or Nora. <laughs> or Nora. Okay, I, n- it's it, For me, it's clearly I, Kevin, then it would be Nora, and then Matt. But yeah. it's I think that's tight. just because Matt has less screen time compared. I, bet, I mean, his own episodes are amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I think it is probably yeah. because he has less screen time. It, it is, again, it's this very tight, like, hard-to-say thing. But for Damn, me, I Kevin should have just said it was Jill. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> Go fuck yourself. No, you know, my favorite character is um, Hugging McHuggingtons. Oh God! Oh, Actually, yeah, no, I'm a big fan definitely... of Meg. I'm a big fan of that baby that got taken away in season three and we never saw again. Yeah, what Wait, happened what? to that baby? <laughs> <laughs> baby Lily? was given. Yeah, Lily was taken by Christine, my actual favorite character from the show. Um, yeah, uh, did, yeah. Did, did, wait, what happened to the baby? Is she Christine, just gone? Christine no, took she, the baby she, back. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah take... I know that, but like, she's never it? in the show again. Yeah, no. Nah. Yeah, I mean, Christine's like takes you no takes you back. She just grabs the kid and runs off. Uh, yeah, Didn't they go through like the whole yeah, process to like try adopting the kid and all it's, that stuff? It's well, funnier, no, no, no. They, it's funny. They it's mentioned it. To, yeah, they mentioned it in the show that like she got the kid back because like the courts typically always side with the birth mother, even though it's been like three years. And they think, yeah, after like a certain time, like uh, all right, also you, Nora basically gave gave her away. As well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. However, it's much funnier to think that Christine broke into their house in the dead of night and stole yeah, and just child. stole the kid and like and nobody just, did yeah, anything they, about they it they're just like it's fine and Rapunzel, yeah like mother gothel and tangle she just sweeps out the door with the baby so everyone's like well oh, i don't know what you want us to do about that's it we're just okay. the government yeah v. and that's the binge uh, uh wait, what's no, your favorite uh, wait, uh, uh no, no i wasn't I done that twice i said that twice yeah, I wasn't now, done. yeah. yeah uh if you and yeah that's the that's the binge ladies and gentlemen what do you say you what is the oscar music playing right now <laughs> Spark well for you. Uh, no, what's your favorite character? Uh, what's your favorite piece of music in the show? Oh, Chris the main loves theme. the music in the show. The ma- oh, fuck no, not the main theme. Main theme is amazing, but it's where my where's my mind? The piano. Ooh, where is I got I, I got a tab. Oh no, that's not that. That's not that. Sorry, it just seemed like you opened porn. No. Yeah, that's <laughs> what. No, it, it just like, seemed like oh, it's not that. No, it's not that. It's no. It was it was like a loud bit of drumming. Oh my like, god, it's just a throw. No, actually, no, I think. No, that's not that's, that's the Elvis. Unfortunately, I since I since I like special. really binge the show, I didn't really pay much attention to the music. 
What not? You didn't hear "Where's my mind?" four times. Yeah, where is it? No, I'm trying to find that piece of music. I don't know where I put it. I can't find. Let us know. It's in. It's the "Where is my mind?" piano cover. Great reviewers, tell your friends, and if you haven't watched The Leftovers, because it is one of HBO's best shows, and it's Mm -hmm. one of the best shows ever made. It's probably HBO's best show, right? What else has HBO came out with? Uh, the what, last season, seasons of Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, Sopranos. Oh, Sopranos, Sopranos doesn't is. count. What do you mean? Why wouldn't that count? It's, it's just like count. so old. Yeah, it doesn't count. What, what has HBO time. done recently? It's still considered one of the greatest. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it's like it, it just doesn't count. Yeah, that's like that's that. like something you could just take out because it's it's like obviously a great show. Yeah, actually, no, it's one of the best shows of all time. Supposedly, it is the best show of all time. I haven't seen it though, so I can't say. Yeah, I'll put it on. A, we'll watch it at some point. We'll get to it. I'm just yeah. listening to "Where Is My Mind." I think we need to fade out before I I just fall into deep depression here, Tyler. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Out. Good night. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>